Good morning. Um, we are in a series, it's titled On Mission, and uh, we've been walking through this over the past, honestly, couple months now. Um, those two words were two words that I just feel like are prophetic words for us as a church as, as we move into uh, this year and, and, and onward. And uh, we've been looking at what it looks like to live on mission together, uh, both individually for you and your own, you know, calling, gifting, passions that God has placed in you and on you, and as well as us as a church. Um, we've been focused on what it looks like essentially to follow Jesus. Uh, and what we realize is that you don't follow Jesus on accident. Like nobody, nobody stumbles into following Jesus. Um, it is, it's a decision, it's a commitment, it's a focus uh, it's a, it's a one-time thing when you first turn to him, and then it's also a continual daily ongoing lifestyle of, of following Jesus. And uh, I have a word today that um, it's, it's interesting. I, I hope that it disrupts you. Um, it, it was real quiet in, in first service, so I hope that you guys are a little more, uh, get your hankies ready to start waving, um, to wave, not to cry. Um, it's, it's a I'm going to actually focus on a word today that that is probably one of the most overlooked and misunderstood parts of following Jesus. And it is the word, you ready for it? Repent. Repent. I know, I, I see that hanky. Yes. Oh, don't get too excited, ma'am. Um, <laughs> repent. It's interesting, as soon as I say that word, there are all kinds of connotations that we assume with it. Uh, it's gotten kind of a bad rap these days. Um, either it's never talked about and it's overlooked because many churches don't even like to talk about sin or then repentance or the need for it. Um, and if it's talked about, many times it's talked about a lot in some churches and kind of maybe misunderstood. It's often associated with feelings of shame, condemnation, uh, public humiliation, Maybe you have an image, as soon as I said the word, repent, of like a red-faced preacher pounding a pulpit, or, uh, or a guy in a street corner wearing a sandwich board that says repent or perish, right? You know, you've, like that word evokes all kinds of um, ideas, emotions, word pictures, things like that. And I'd like to submit to you, before we even get started, um, that, that I believe, given what it's talked about in, in the scripture, that there is a demonic assignment against repentance. And uh, that's what you feel oftentimes, even just by saying the word. And so let's pray before we can get started. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, um, that it gives life. I thank you that it gives hope, that it gives freedom, uh, that it mines the gold out of people and not, it does not dig up their dirt. And so, Lord, as we talk about repentance, something that is all throughout your word, may it be a moment of uh, bring understanding, bring revelation, and bring freedom to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, this word, repent, was enthusiastically championed by John the Baptist. You know, his, it was like, repent and be baptized. You know, go out and people were in droves going out into the wilderness to get baptized by a caveman named John the Baptist. And that was his message, repent, repent, repent. Um, it was also a very significant part of the message of Jesus that he preached all throughout his ministry. 
So I want to show you a couple scriptures to kind of prove my point of what we're, what we're talking about as we get started. Um, he first began his public ministry, and we see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, and then this was his message, repent, there it is, the, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That was his message. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then we, uh, we fast forward all the way to the departing words of Jesus, right? Literally, he has died, he has risen, and he is speaking the last words to his disciples. In Luke chapter 24, verse 46, it says this, he, Jesus, told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So I want you to notice something before we even get started, that, that this message, his message, does not change. It is repent in the beginning. It is repent at the end. Literally bookmarked and everywhere in between is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So if repent was the first part of Jesus' message that he preached, and repentance is the very last thing that he spoke to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, then repentance should be a pretty big deal to us. It should be probably our main response as we live on mission, as we follow Jesus. So the title of my message today is this, Be Quick to Repent. Be Quick to Repent. Um, uh, if, you, if you want to be spiritually mature, be quick to repent. So, what is repentance? I'm glad you asked. Firstly, it's not bad news. We kind of act like it's, oh, I don't know, I feel like, oh, I feel a lot of shame, I feel like, I don't know if I want to talk about repentance. It's not bad news. It's great news. It's, it's the best news. Repentance is a gift. It is a gift from God. I mean, how amazing is it that, that we get to repent and then enter into the kingdom of God, that we repent and are saved, like that God gives us the gift of repentance. So, if you look it up in the Greek, there's the word that's, that's used all throughout the New Testament, the Greek word for repentance is metanaeo. I don't expect you to be able to say it. It's kind of weird. Metanaeo. Some people say it's metanoia. Metanaeo. And it simply means this, to change your mind, to change your thinking, to change your direction. In other words, repentance is simply coming into agreement and coming into alignment with God, regardless of how I feel. That is repentance. Coming into agreement and coming into alignment with God, regardless of how I feel. And, and repentance is not a, a one-time event. It's not like, oh yeah, yeah, I repented when I was in kindergarten. I was at you know, vacation Bible school and uh, received Jesus. I repented of my sins and now I'm saved. Repentance is a one-time event, the beginning, but it also is an ongoing lifestyle. It's, it's how you begin to follow Jesus and also how you continue to follow Jesus. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's almost like he's saying, you don't get to come near to the kingdom without repentance. Like repentance is almost the ticket to come near to the kingdom of heaven. So you can't follow what the world values and follow and walk accordingly to, to the kingdom of this world and think that you're following Jesus. He says, repent, come into agreement, come into alignment with God. That's repentance. 
And it's not only the gateway to get in how we enter the kingdom of God, it's also how we live within the kingdom of God. Repentance is not only a gift to get you saved, it's a gift to keep you and to, and to keep you growing, to keep you moving, to keep you not only just making a Bible by the skin of your teeth, but to give you life and abundance. Um, think about the, the disciples with me for a second um, to give you an understanding of what I mean by it's, it's, it's a one-time and also ongoing event in our life. Do you realize the entire three-year journey of following Jesus for these 12 guys was a journey of repentance? The whole time, Jesus calls them, they repent, they step into the kingdom of God, right? They begin following Jesus. And then for three years, they have to keep changing their thinking. They are repenting, essentially. Whenever we change our mind and come into alignment agreement with God, we are repenting. Because following Jesus means that he is constantly changing your mind. And if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you know this to be true. He is always changing your mind. And these disciples, if you think of it, if you think of all the things that Jesus preached to them, all the things, all the miracles that they witnessed over those three years, they had to repent of what they thought about kids, they had to repent of, of their view of women. They had to repent of, of what they thought about God. They had to repent of what they thought about their own identities in God. They had to repent about what they thought was impossible or possible because God was continually, Jesus was always readjusting their thinking about what it looks like to live within the kingdom. Amen. Repentance, changing your mind and changing your direction. So, in fact... I would say this, it's impossible to live on mission for God without repenting. Like if, if God has not changed your mind recently, you need to start listening because I guarantee you, you don't know everything. I guarantee you, he's whispering things all day long to you of things that he's wanting to change in your thinking, to change your mind, to, to correct lies that you believed about him or about yourself. That is repentance. Amen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. It was, it was real quiet in first service, but listen, why? Because I, if I'm not changing what I'm thinking, coming into agreement and alignment with God, then, then I may think that I'm following Jesus, but I may really be following myself. Like part of following God is realizing that I am called to come into alignment and agreement with Jesus, which means that I have to come out of alignment of some of the things that I've believed about myself or believed about God. He corrects those things, and that is repentance. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Let me give you an example. Peter was preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit fell. Peter preaches to a crowd of people. This is their response. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They're like, man, what is going on? I feel something changing in me. It says, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replies, repent. Repent and be baptized. Change the way you think. Change your direction and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter is essentially saying that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is, at ne is near, and you can have as much of it as you want. Repentance is the fuel for God's forgiveness in our life. 
It is literally, that is why it always begins with repent and be baptized. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, repent, repent. Like literally, it is this idea that like come to not only believing, but come to changing your mind, changing your thinking and allowing God to bring you back into alignment with him so that he can do what only he can do in your life to bring change in your life. So if you keep allowing God to change your mind, you will not only begin to grasp the fullness of the kingdom of God, but you will begin to walk in ever-increasing power through the Holy Spirit in your life, in your daily life. And it comes through repentance. And it doesn't come any other way. So when I say repentance, please don't hear what you, the connotations that you've always thought and, and, and put around it, the context of that. If you want more of God, repent. Come into agreement come into alignment with his word, admit that you're wrong, and he may just, I mean, he did create the world. He may just know a little more. He may be right. Okay, fine, you're right, and I'm wrong, right? Like, that is the whole reality of what it means to repent. Romans chapter 12, and this, I'm going to read this to you. And this, the Holy Spirit showed me this this week as I was, I was driving a, a lot this week, and it really kind of blew my mind about worship. So let me, let me read it to you. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. You've probably heard this before. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then he says this, This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want you to notice something that Paul is saying here. Repentance is worship. He says it's your true and perfect worship. Um, and you may be thinking, like, well, hold on, like, I know you're throwing out words to me that I don't normally associate with that. Like, I thought worship was the four songs that we just sang here. Like, that was, that's worship, right? I thought worship was like the first 30 minutes, the warm-up for, yeah, and, and on Sunday mornings. Like, I thought worship was something that people led us in and that I chose to participate or experience. I thought worship was taking communion, and I thought that was what worship was. And I would say to you this, yes, and so much more. Essentially, what we call worship, right? Let's just say kind of what we've been doing here. We call it praise and worship, right? We may set the stage, but you bring the offering. You bring the offering. You bring the sacrifice of praise. We set the stage. We may, we may lead you into that, but you bring the sacrifice of praise. And it's so important. And this is what I was just understanding as I was reading through Romans chapter 12. Um, we don't sing songs because they sound good. Although they should, right? I mean, come on. We want to be able to... I, I love it when they sing my favorite song and I'm like, yes, that's awesome. That's great. Um, it's kind of like what Pastor Tom was talking about in first service when two people had a vision of Jesus. I, I, I just want you to understand, like Jesus doesn't show up because Pat Caparino hit an amazing lick on the guitar. Like he's not like, oh, whoa, he didn't get his attention, right? Jesus wasn't like, I better show up here. I sit on the front step because the drummer was just killing it, right? Like... That's awesome, and that's great, and we should be of excellence as we, as we lead in worship. But the reality is, is that we don't worship because they sound good. We worship to correct our thinking. 
You catch that? When we put the, the lyrics up on the screen, it's, it is so that you can sing along, because let's just be honest, if you're a guy especially, we have no idea lyrics, right? We're just like, I don't know, until you put it up there, I got no idea. The girls are like, I got it all memorized. And guys are just like, I got no idea what song this is. So we, we don't just put it up there on the screen so that you can follow along. We put it up on the screen because as we sing these lyrics... You're literally bringing your soul into alignment. You're bringing your soul into agreement with the word of God. And so as we sing them out, we're not just singing them into the atmosphere. We're not just singing them to God, although we are. We're also singing them to our soul and saying, soul, get in your place. All week long, you've been trying to get away. All week long, you try to come out of alignment with God. And as we gather here together, as we worship corporately, here's the reality. It is literally corporate repentance. As we sing together, as we join together, we are bringing into alignment our soul and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm believing that this is who God is. And this is why we, we sing songs of exaltation about who God is and, and who we are and how we interact with him. We're bringing our soul into agreement, into alignment with God. Repentance is worship. It's worship. So essentially it's coming to the Lord and being like, Lord, Maybe you come in every week, Lord, teach me something that I didn't know about you today. Yes. Lord, teach me something I didn't know about me today. Yes. Um, maybe it's like it's when, when David wrote the Psalm, Psalm 139. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Yes. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. In other words, he's like... <sighs> I know that I, I need to come into agreement with your word. I know that I need to come into alignment with your word. Lead me, Lord. Test me. Search my heart. Search my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And not only that, bring me into alignment with your way, with your word, and your, lead me in your way everlasting. That is repentance. And folks, that is worship. If you're always wondering, like, ah, I wasn't really into the song time. Now you understand. It isn't just song time. This is a public a public confession, a public repentance of coming together as a church and bringing us back into alignment with God. So be quick to repent. Amen? Amen. Be quick to repent. Choose to agree with what God says, what he says about you, who he says that he is, that he will do what he says that he will do, and he will transform you by the renewing of your mind. There's two different types of repentance I want to leave you with. Um, and I'm probably oversimplifying it, but for the sake of oversimplifying, here's, there's two different kinds. There's sin repentance. This is what we always talk about. When I first said repent, you're like, oh. Then the other one is what I've been talking about recently, which is revelation repentance. So sin repentance and revelation repentance. Sin repentance is rebellion, right? It's you go against God, you did bad, you did, you did what you knew you shouldn't do, uh, you're more than a mistaker, you're an on-purpose sinner. You, sin essentially means miss the mark, right? I missed the mark, I shot, maybe I wasn't even looking and I just shot and I missed the mark. I, I did not do God's standard, God's will, God's way. I did my own thing and, and now I've sinned and I realize it. I've come to realize it. Maybe the Holy Spirit convicts me or I've read in God's word that that which I've been thinking, that which I've been doing is wrong or I've been confronted with truth. My conscience is grieved. What should we do? Repent. That's it. He says, literally, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he's talking about repentance. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I just want you to understand, when God says repent, he's not looking for it to heap on shame. 
He's not looking to keep you in condemnation. He's not looking to keep you in guilt. He's looking to bring freedom. He says he is faithful and just. He's not trying to keep you. In, in fact, Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I think we need to repent about repentance because we have associated with all kinds of bad things and, and, and red-faced preachers pounding pulpits and all kinds of, of just shame, guilt, and condemnation keeping people pushed down. In fact, it is the literal gateway to come into the kingdom of God and keeps us walking in freedom, fullness, and, and, and full of the Holy Spirit. Like that is why God introduced repentance. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Jesus said if we confess, he will, he will purify us uh, from all unrighteousness and forgive our sins. So it isn't a pathway to shame. It isn't a pathway to condemnation. It is a pathway to forgiveness and cleansing. Listen, if you, you will repent to the level that you believe in the grace of God. Let me say that again. You will repent to the level of what you believe about the grace of God. If you believe that God's grace is limited, stoic, stingy, you will be slow to repent. If you believe God's grace to be limitless, lavish, over-the-top, ridiculous, abundant, you will be quick to repent because you know there is no shortage of it and God's hand is not too short to be able to, to forgive you, to forgive, be able to bring you back. So don't forget that when we talk about repentance, it's not the same as feeling bad about something. Repentance is not the same as confessing something out loud, saying it with your mouth. Repentance is coming into agreement and also coming into alignment with God. It's saying, God, you're right and I was wrong and I'm going to now come into agreement and alignment with what you say is right, which means that you not only allow God to change your mind, but, but complete repentance by choosing to come into alignment with God and to follow his ways rather than our own ways, which means that you have to stop following your own way. That's the hard part. That's the difficulty of just saying, I, I've believed this, I've walked this way, I'm choosing to walk in a different direction. Essentially, if there's no change in direction, then there is no repentance. You may have felt sorry, you may have confessed, but if there's no change in direction, then there is no repentance. I think I'll, I'll, I'll here, this will give you a breath. Um, here, let me show you. So, glass of milk. Oh, okay, um, just in case you were wondering. Um, no big deal, just a glass of milk, right? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's no harm done, right? Um, but if, if someone were to make you aware that this milk had spoiled, um, it would change things for you, right? I mean, it would, you're, you're ready to take a sip of it and somebody's like, whoa, 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 that milk, that milk has gone bad. That's, that's spoiled. How would you know that it was spoiled? Well, first of all, you could take their word for it. You'd be like, oh, well, thank you. But you probably won't. You probably will look at the carton and, and be like, March 14th, that's still good. That's fine. I no big deal. It's, I, I drank milk older than that, right? I'm good. I'm still alive, right? Some of you, you stop right there. 
Others of you just keep pressing on. You'd be like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me smell it. Let me smell it. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I think that's gone bad. I think that's spoiled. And some of you look at it, you'd be like, yeah, it's, it's curdled. I can see the curdled, right? I can see that it, it smells it. it. It looks it. You've said it. Uh, and some of you, 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 in this, you, know, you know those of you in, in your family members that do this, you're like, you still need convincing. And so you're like, I'm just going to taste it. I'm just going to, because you know, you got to just taste it. Oh, yeah, it's gone bad. And then you pass it to, to your sister. You're like, I'm pretty sure that's gone bad. I'm pretty sure that milk's boy. You should try it. You should try it. And your sister's like, oh, ooh, dad, try this milk. Yeah, and you start passing. I don't know why we do this. I don't know why we do this, but we do it. We just start passing around. You, just, oh, oh, you need to try this. This, this. this milk has gone bad. Sure enough, the whole family figures out, yeah, the milk's gone. It's gone bad, right? Now, would it, it would be insane for me to just, and a bit disgusting for me to just keep, oh, yeah, it's, oh that's bad. When I know full well and good, that it is bloated, curdled, and spoiled, right? I mean, that would be crazy. You'd be like, Justin, what are you doing, dude? Here's the thing. It's a lot like repentance. So let, let, me, let me bring this around for you. Um, repentance is more than simply acknowledging that the milk is spoiled. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's, that, that milk has gone bad. Repentance is more than agreeing that the milk is spoiled. You tried it. Yeah, I agree with, yeah, we both, ugh, it's not good. Repentance is more than confessing that it's spoiled and saying out loud, you need to try this, it's bad. I, I'm pretty sure, hey guys, this is all bad, you should try it, this is horrible. It's more than confessing that the milk is spoiled. Confession, um, repentance is more than feeling bad that you drank milk that was spoiled. Because sometimes we're like, oh gosh, why did I do that? I don't know why, oh, I don't know why I keep drinking, it's so gross, right? It's more than that. Repentance is more than, if you want to bring it spiritual, repentance is more like, Lord, forgive me for drinking the milk that I knew was spoiled and I did it anyway because I messed up, you know? Like, it's more than that. Repentance is literally, not only, it's all of those things, confession, agreement, all of those things. It's also saying, I'm going to take this milk and throw it away. Why am I holding on to spoiled milk? Who does that? Who's like, oh man, I think that's gone bad. Let's put it back in the fridge. Maybe mom isn't here. She needs to try it when she gets home. Somebody, don't tell her though. Don't tell her. See if she notices, right? Who does that? Nobody. Nobody decides, yeah, I'm just going to keep sipping on spoiled milk even though I know it's bad, even though I've confessed it's bad, even though we've agreed it's bad. It looks bad. It smells bad. It tastes bad. I know it's bad. I'm just going to keep sipping. I'm just going to keep sipping. This, when we talk about repentance, is not only changing your mind, but it's deciding, I'm going to go, not put it back in the fridge, I'm going to actually throw it away. In fact, sometimes it means setting up guardrails in your life to come into alignment with that which you have already agreed with spiritually. So if there's areas of your life that you just know, you just keep going back to that spoiled milk. I mean, you know it's bad, but you just keep putting it back in the refrigerator. Maybe sometime it's time to just be like, you know what? I'm going to put up a guardrail in my life so that I can't go back to keep sipping on spoiled milk anymore, even though I know that it's bad. That is repentance, bringing it not just from coming into agreement, but also coming into alignment with what it is that God 
God's will is and his ways are. Amen? You get that? So be quick to repent. Um, the second kind of repentance, not just sin repentance, but is revelational, uh, re- revelation repentance. This is the kind of repentance that we don't normally think of as repentance because we always think of it as like hellfire brimstone. Sometimes God will shine light on sin in our life to bring freedom, to bring hope so that you can repent. Other times he'll shine light in areas of our life to reveal more about who he is. He'll, he'll shine light on, on scripture. He'll shine light on his word to reveal more about who he is, that he is who he says that he is, to shine light on who you are in him, your identity in him. Here's the reality. When I talk about sin repentance and revelation repentance, both require you to come into agreement and alignment with God. Revelation repentance is when God reveals something to you that you did not already know. And now because you do now know, it changes how you think, transformed by the renewing of your mind, and also changes the direction that you're going. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Did you know that you don't know everything? I know. It's weird. It's, 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 it's a revelation for many of us, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying you don't have really good opinions, but did you know that you don't know everything? Like, when I first got saved, I thought I knew everything. I mean, it was part of me just being young. Part of me is being just young in the Lord. I just, I would read his word, thought I knew everything. But the older I get, the more that I, that God will open up my eyes, not just to his word, but to his ways. I may have known his word, but, but to, but he reveals his ways to those who continue to repent, to change our mind, to change our thinking, and to change our alignment with him. Psalm 103 verse 7 says, He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. God makes his deeds known to everyone, but he makes his ways known to those who seek him, to those who find him in the secret place. And once God reveals something to you, here's the kicker, you are now responsible to change your thinking, to change your direction because of it. He doesn't reveal things to us so that we can give a head nod and an amen. He reveals things to us to bring a deeper level of freedom as we continue to change our mind, change our thinking, change our direction as we go closer to him. And this thing, this second type of repentance isn't about bad things that you've done. It's actually about the good things that God's done and all of a sudden come to the realization of the goodness of God. Like when, when, when you find out that God is good and that he heals people, that should change your level of expectation when you lay hands on the sick to see them recover. When, when you hear a testimony or God brings healing into your life, I just want you to understand, if he's healed your back or done things in your, in your life, he doesn't just do it so that you don't have any pain. He does it so that we grow from faith to faith, so that when, when we have somebody else that we meet that, that needs prayer, we can say, God healed me in this area of my life. I'd love to pray for you so that God can do the same thing in yours. We move from faith to faith to faith, not from faith to zero. Like when you, maybe you first came to, to, to faith and you're like, man, I just feel like I'm just like a sinner saved by grace, like barely making it by the skin of my teeth. But then as you get to, into the word, you begin to understand that you aren't just a sinner saved by grace. You are a beloved son and daughter. Like you are adopted into the family of God. You've been given a seat at the table. You are empowered. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit. You are saved for a purpose. 
And that realization, that revelation should change how you think and change how you walk. It changes everything. This is revelation repentance coming into alignment with that which God says. Here's the cycle, and this is how it usually works. Is God brings a revelation, a truth, opens up his word. We choose to repent, and that, be, that brings faith. And we move from faith to faith to faith, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, in a, in a similar way, God can bring a revelation. We choose to be unrepentant to that revelation. We choose to not come into agreement and alignment with that. And what it results in is a hardened heart and unbelief. Hardened heart and unbelief. And we don't go from faith to faith. We go from faith to zero, faith to zero, because we never applied and repented from the revelation that God revealed about himself to us. Does that make sense? Thank you. I appreciate that. Let me give you, let me give you a biblical re- um, understanding of this. So let's just take the 12, 12 disciples. We just said a few weeks ago that um, we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000. This is really, really interesting, and maybe you've never put these two things together. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is preaching. There's 5,000 people, huge crowd. They, they're starting to get hungry, and uh, they're like, send them away. They got to go get some Subway. They got to go Subway run. They got to get out of here, right? We can't feed all these people. Nobody, nobody planned for lunch. It's not good. Um, and so Jesus looks to the 12 disciples, the 5,000 people, and he says, you feed them. And they freak out. They're like, Jesus, uh, we only have uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. That's not enough to feed 5,000 people. And so Jesus says, here, bring it to me. So they give them the five loaves of bread, the two fish. He blesses it, breaks it, passes it out. And in some crazy, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, some crazy miracle, I still don't understand how it happened, these 12 disciples end up feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And there is this multiplication that happens. Now, awesome. Just one chapter later, Matthew chapter 15, there's 4,000 people gathered. Jesus is teaching, same deal, right? Very similar. The crowd gets hungry. The disciples want to send them away. They got to go get some subway. And Jesus said, let's feed them. And the disciples, you know what they say? They say, Jesus, we only have seven loaves of bread and a few fish. That's not enough to feed 4,000 people. Now pause. What's really interesting to me about these two stories is that they actually have more bread and less people. It started out 5,000 people were, fel- were, were you know, with five loaves of bread, and now there's only 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And they're like, yeah, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. I often wonder if Jesus was hoping when he put it out there, like, let's feed them. I often think if he was wondering, like, hey, I really hope that they come to me and say, like, hey, Jesus, remember like a chapter ago when, because they live their life in chapters, right? Remember like last chapter um, when you fed like 5,000 people with five loaves of bread? Well, I got some good news for you. We have seven loaves of bread and there's only 4,000 people, Jesus. You know, I was thinking, we was talking to Peter, we should do steak. We should do steak. Let's do steak, Jesus. Steak and potatoes would be awesome. I could go over some steak right now, Jesus. Like, I think Jesus was kind of hoping that they would, they would repent of the revelation that Jesus showed them in Matthew chapter 14 so that they can move to faith, to faith, to faith, to begin to continue to grow in that which God showed them, that the impossible was possible. But they failed, catch this, to repent of the revelation. 
And because of this, they failed to move from faith to faith, and they moved from faith to zero, and faith to zero, because they hadn't applied the revelation that they had received. And Jesus, Jesus confronts them, and, he, and, and a little, little while later, in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 17, he's talking to them, and I, it's really important for you to see this. He says, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? And then he asks this question, are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? It's this reality. God kind of has been saying, like, whatever you do with what God said yesterday determines what you hear today. Whatever you do with the revelation that God gave you yesterday determines the kind of revelation that you receive today. Whatever you do with the revelation that God gave you yesterday determines actually, he says, the condition of your heart today. Because unused and unrepented revelation will actually harden your heart. When you hear the word of God and fail to apply it to your life, it results in a hardened heart. Yeah. So what are you doing with what God is revealing to you? Really what it kind of boils down to, whether you're hearing the gospel for the, for the first time, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Or whether God's bringing, uh, he's illuminating more of who he is and who you are and, and what your identity is in him. What are you doing with that? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. God calls us to repent, to change our thinking, to change our alignment with him. What are you doing with what he's given you? Because see, repentance demonstrates the lordship of Jesus in your life. And unrepentance demonstrates lordship. It's just not the lordship of Jesus. Who is Lord? Who are you following? Why don't you stand with me? I want to leave you with a scripture that has been um, just, I haven't been able to shake it all week. It's a, it's a parable that Jesus told, and you've probably never heard it, unless you've read the whole Bible and you're a super scholar. I've never really heard anybody preach on this. Um, I don't know if you've ever read through the Bible or gone through and all of a sudden you're like, I don't think I've ever seen that healing before. I didn't know he did that. You know, like you've had these experiences. Um, Matthew 21 I'm going to read it for you. In verse 28, it starts. And it starts with a question. It says, what do you think? Jesus asked his disciples. Or actually, he was talking to chief priests, Pharisees. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. Now, you think you know that it's the prodigal father, the prodigal son story. It's not. It's not. You're like, I've heard this one before. No, you haven't. You haven't. Um, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, Go and work in the vineyard today. I will not, he answered. He was a sassy son. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. And then Jesus says, what do you think? He says, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they say. 
And Jesus says to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Now, I've been considering this question all week, and it is this, which son am I? Which son am I? The first son says, nope, go work in the vineyard, nope. But then he repents, changes his mind, and he changes his direction, and he goes and does it. The second son says yes with his lips. He even says it very nicely, too, respectfully. I will, sir, is what he says. (laughs) Probably with an English accent, I'm guessing. (laughs) Yes, I reckon I will, right? Maybe he even sang a song about it, right? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Remember that one? That was awesome. Maybe he brought that one out. Um, Maybe he yelled out, amen, hallelujah, waved a hanky. Think that's a great idea? We should all go serve in the the field, in the vineyard. Hallelujah, Jesus, yes. I don't know how he said it, but he said it with with his lips. But he did nothing, and he did not go. And when I first read this, I honestly, because it's Jesus, I was like, this is a trick question. Like, did they get it right? Am I supposed to think harder about this? Like, I don't know. Um, Which of the two did what the father wanted? And was it the one who said yes or the one who did it? And they get it right. You say the first one, they did. He did what the father wanted. And here's, here's what I want to leave you with is this. It makes me wonder, and I'll just speak for the American church today, <laughs> on behalf of the American church. Um, I wonder if we have reduced repentance to feeling sorry for our sins. I wonder if we've reduced repentance to giving lip service or repeating a prayer or saying amen. James reminds us in James 2, he says, faith without deeds is dead. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 7, by their fruit, you will recognize them. The point is this, words do matter, but action matters more. And the pathway to grace comes not from just being able to say all the right words, The pathway to grace comes through repentance, agreement, and also alignment, changing our minds and also our direction. My hope is this, my prayer is this, that we get back to true repentance. And Jesus tells the chief priests and the Pharisees, this last, I don't know if it caught you, I mean, it's heavy words he says at that last Verse, he says, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. He's talking of like really good people. Like these are the leaders, the chief priests, the Pharisees, leaders of the law. I mean, they know their word. He says, and they got it right. They got the answer right. Jesus says, which one did it? And they're like the first one. He did it right. And Jesus looks at them and says, yeah, just so you know, the tax collectors and prostitutes are getting into the kingdom of God ahead of you. Dang. He doesn't say they get to go in and you don't. He doesn't say that. He says they're going to get ahead of you. Why? Because 
God honors repentance above everything else. He does. It's, here's, and this is good news for every single person in here. This is what he's saying. It's not about your perfect life. It's not about everything that you can memorize. It's not about how you can, you can read everything in the Greek and all of these things and you never miss a week of church. It's about repentance. He doesn't say you won't get in. He just like they're going to get in ahead of you. This is great news because what that means is that no matter where you came from today, it doesn't matter what you did on your way here, what you did yesterday. He's saying this. When you choose to repent, the kingdom of heaven is so close. It's about turning. It's about agreeing and turning and walking and taking a step towards the, the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is so close. It's so close. And for the leaders of the law, the Pharisees and these, tax, and these, these uh, um, chief priests, it was actually their self-righteousness. It was actually their unrepentance that was getting in the way of them entering the kingdom of God. And Jesus is putting a, a huge exclamation point and saying, guys, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past was, no matter if you feel like you deserve it or not, all of us come into the kingdom the same way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Maybe today, as we enter into this last song, maybe today you're like the first son. I think of people like that that are just like, I said no, I said I don't need you, God. I said, you know, I'm all good. I want to do my own thing. You asked me, and I, and I just kind of pushed you away. Here's the good news. The good news is, is that God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and 152 second chances. He is the God that says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Which means it really doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done when we choose to turn, to come in agreement and alignment with God. He saves us. So I just want to pray with you. If you're in that place today where you're like, well, I just don't feel, Pastor and if you just knew my story, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> He's like, tax collectors and prostitutes come into the kingdom ahead of all the people that think they deserve it. It's all about repentance. And so I just want to, if you join me in praying, if this is where you're at and you're like, I want to receive this God who is lavish, outlandish, his grace, his mercy is too much. I just thank you for that today. I receive you today. Maybe you just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I receive you today. And I repent of my sin. And I receive your forgiveness. I make you the Lord of my life. And I choose to repent, to come into agreement, to come into alignment with you from here on out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to be able to do that which your word says. I need you. Lord, I pray that as we enter into worship today, I pray for those that maybe made that, that prayer for the first time or for the hundredth time, Lord God, I pray that as we are a people of repentance, that you would bring life, hope, healing, that, that as we 
choose to come into alignment with you, God, I pray that miracles, signs, and wonders would be in our midst, Lord God, that freedom would be in this place. Have your way in us, Jesus, as we worship you, as we repent. In Jesus' name, let's worship.